What's up? Y'all all right? Y'all good? What's going on? Nothing much? That's cool. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Hunter Bruce. I am the student ministry associate here at Cross Life Students, and I'm loving every second I get to hang with you guys and pour into you guys and chase Jesus after you. That's Ben back there. No, he's not back there. Ben's right there. That's Ben. Ben loves you. Pastor West loves you. All the people in the back on the tech team love you. All the small group leaders love you. I love you. We all love you. And we're so glad to have you here today. It's going to be a great time. We are continuing our series called You Asked For It. All right. Now, last week, Wesley came up, talked about what the Bible says about our doubts and our fears and what we should do with them and how we need to pray to God for answers, how to solve uh, and figure out our doubts and fears and all those things that go along with it. But this week, we're going to be talking about what the Bible says about heaven and hell, okay? So it could be a, a, a bit of a sensitive topic, but dive in with me, lock in with me. We're going to talk through it together, and then we're going we're gonna to all pray. So I think at such a young age, I had a very deep infatuation with heaven. You know, I tried to figure out, like, what it was and what we do be doing up there. And I feel like oftentimes when we think of heaven and when we see heaven in the movies and in the TV shows and in and, and books and all that, I think that we often see this image of just brightness and, and clouds and, and lots of blue stuff everywhere, okay? And I think we just get this deep, like, thought about, wow, like, okay, like, this looks nice. It seems nice. I mean, I want to be there, but like, you know, when I was a kid and like I thought about this image and I had this picture in my head, I'm like, dang, this seemed kind of boring. You know, I mean, it looks cool. Like I want to be there. Like it looks like it's going to be a good time, but it's like, dang, like y'all boys ain't going to have no Xbox up there. Like y'all ain't going to have no 2K. Like y'all ain't going to have no basketball up there. Like what we going to do with no basketball? Like. What about a, a football? We gonna have a football up there to throw around or something? And what about ice cream? Who don't like ice cream? Like, it's gonna be ice cream up there? Like, I'm, I'm slightly lactose intolerant, but you know, I still love ice cream. I deal with it. But like, are, are all these things that, you know, we love and we care about, all these things that are material things, are they gonna be in heaven? You know, what is heaven gonna be like? You know, we're gonna be up there for eternity, so it's like, Hopefully we're not bored up there for eternity, you know. So what is heaven like? I think that's a question that we sometimes wrestle with. We, we go back and forth with it a lot. But understand this. Heaven won't be boring because God isn't boring, okay? I'm saying it again. Heaven won't be boring because God isn't boring. Understand that heaven is God's place, okay? And when you think that heaven's going to be a boring place, it's low-key dissing God. Because basically you're saying, if heaven's boring, then God must be boring, right? But it's hard for me to imagine a God that created the heavens and the universe, and he created you and he created earth. That's hard for me to imagine that a God like that, a being like that, would be boring. 
okay? So what I want you to understand also is that heaven is a real place. It's a real place just like Oviedo, okay? Just like Oviedo, Florida, just like we are here now, heaven is a real place. You see, in Genesis 1, the Bible tells us that God created heaven along with earth. So like we talked about earlier, heaven is God's dwelling place. Is it a, is it, it's a place of peace, it is a place of love, and it is a place of worship, all to God. And God, he is there, he's surrounded by heavenly beings, angels, and he's surrounded with all the people that have gone to heaven. And also Jesus as well. I'm going to read you John 14, verses 1 through 3. It says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. A lot of verses there, but in these verses, Jesus is calling heaven a real place. And he wants to prepare a place for you, and he will come back and take you there, right? So heaven, it's a real place filled with real people, which is why in these verses the Bible compares heaven to a mansion with many rooms. A mansion with many rooms that needs to be filled with people, with us. Next thing is this, heaven will be evil-free, right? So imagine your favorite place on earth, wherever that is. Basketball court, I don't know. Uh, school, wherever. It's probably not school, but, you know, favorite place on earth. Imagine that. Now imagine that place that is completely free of sadness. Imagine that place com completely free of pain. Imagine that place completely free of sickness. Imagine that place completely free of hurt and agony and pain. You see, in heaven, perfect righteousness and justice reign supreme. And every single iota morsel of evil and displeasure is completely exterminated. Next thing is this. Heaven will have meaningful work. Now I think you guys here today like, work? Like, I ain't trying to work in heaven. Like, I'm trying to chill. Like, I'm trying to vibe. I'm trying to hang out with Jesus and the angels. I'm trying to play Basketball with Jesus, like I'm trying to hang out, I'm trying to vibe. But understand the work in heaven is going to be different from the work on earth. You see, our job in heaven will be to serve the Lord. And we will also be in a perfect environment, okay? Now you guys know how sometimes like it's like super hot when you guys go outside and you guys are cutting the lawn or doing chores. It's not going to be like that in heaven. It's going to be nice in heaven when you're working, okay? You're going to be in a perfect environment. See, God created us to work even before sin came into the world. For example, Adam, he had a job. In Genesis 2, God put him in charge of the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And Eve, 
is to be his helper. They're working together in the Garden of Eden. First people that was working. But before sin came into the world, Adam and Eve's work was fulfilling. It was invigorating. And lastly, it provided a sense of purpose. I feel like sometimes, you know, we may get in school or be in a situation where we're like, man, like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I doing this work? This is pointless. Why are they adding letters to math? Pointless, right? Pointless. My man in the back, Elijah, right? Pointless. Why am I doing this? This makes no sense. You see, the work in heaven will have meaning. It will be purposeful. I'm going to read you uh, John 14, 1 through 3 again. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me and my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to, there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. This is an important verse. Because like I said, heaven's going to be a real place. Jesus is going to be with you in that place. And you're all going to be working together. It's going to be a great time. We're working for the Lord. So work didn't become difficult until sin came into the world. You see, while work can have hardship, work can be difficult. Work being difficult is a result of sin entering the world. You see, the work that Christians will do in heaven will be rewarding. It will be refreshing. And it will be perfectly suited for who God created us to be. Now, you see, these are just some of the few things that the Bible tells us about heaven. See, Christians of all ages and all Races, they're all being heaven together, and heaven will be greater than we can ever imagine because our imagination is limited. We think, oh, man, I hope all these material things are going to be in heaven, but in heaven, God's going to supply you with things that are greater than these things on earth. He's not going to give you temporary things that are going to break down and fade away because in heaven, everything is eternal. Everything's going to be there forever. You're going to be serving in being with God for eternity. Its population will be, will be more diverse than ever. But what you have to understand is not not everyone will be there. Some people aren't going to make it. You see, the Bible tells us about saved and lost people. Saved people are people who have accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. But you see, lost people are people who haven't trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So you're either saved or you're not. There's no in-between. You either spend eternity in heaven with Jesus and other Christians... Or you spend an eternity separated from him in hell. So that asks the question, what is hell like? 
2 Thessalonians 1.9. It says, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Matthew 13.42. It says, they will throw them into the blazing furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, I read you those verses to let you know that hell is not the place you want to be. I feel like society paints this picture of hell to be like this party with all the people that are bad and they're just hanging out, having a good time, just chilling, enjoying eternity. But that is the exact opposite of what it is going to be. And the enemy, I feel like that's what he wants you to think. He wants, you to, he wants people to think, he wants the culture to think that hell is going to be the place to be. And that's how sneaky and tricky he is because he knows that he's going there. And so his objective is to take as many of us, as many of God's people, as he can with him. Because at the end of the day, the enemy is not your friend. He's not your buddy. He's not your God. He wants to see you destroyed and demolished. You see, those who die in their sins, they will go to hell. And like I said earlier, hell wasn't originally created for us. It was never meant for us. It was never meant for man. Matthew 25, verse 41. It says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. God made hell for Satan and his fallen angels. Not for us. So then that may spur the question, okay, Hunter, if, if God made hell for Satan and his fallen angels, then why does God send us to hell? Understand that God, he doesn't get excited to send people to hell. He doesn't get, like, hyped to do that. That's not his thing. You see, he loves us so much that he won't send you somewhere where you don't want to be. Okay, I'm going to break that down for you. You see, if you spend your entire life rejecting God, not reading your Bible, not following his ways, not obeying God's word, why would he send you somewhere that's full of his presence? Okay, for example, say you don't like ice cream. Crazy, right? Why would, why would anyone send you to an ice cream parlor? You don't like ice cream. Why would God send you somewhere that's full of his presence? You see, God desires for everyone to be with him in heaven. 
He wants you in heaven with him. But he loves you so much that he honors your decision to accept him and reject him. I'll answer your question later. He loves you so much that he honors your decision to reject him or accept him. John 3.18. It says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So my question to you is which one are you? Do you believe in him? Or have you condemned yourself? You have to understand that to believe in him is more just recognition of the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done. But it's also a transfer of allegiance. That allegiance to stop worshiping ourselves, stop worshiping the culture, stop worshiping what the world tells us to do. And start worshiping him. Start worshiping God. With all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So I just want you to let you know, all in all, hell is eternal separation from God. And in that eternal separation, there will be torment, gnashing of teeth, and pain. But there's one way to avoid that. There's good news in that. The one and only way to avoid that is to accept the free gift of salvation from Jesus Christ. And I want to give you that opportunity to do that now. So as I close, I just want you all to bow your heads, bow your heads together. If you're here today in the room and you're following the ways of the world, you're following the culture, you're following the wrong people, you're doing the wrong things, You get in trouble in school. You get in trouble with your family. I just want to let you know that all these things that you're doing will only end up getting you an eternal separation from God. So if you Feel that burden in your heart with head eye, heads down, eyes closed. I just want you to raise your hand. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today,
I just want you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking. Heads down, eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. Maybe you need to check your heart. let you know those things that you're following those people that you're hanging out with they don't have the best intentions for you and the enemy would love nothing but you to be taken away and distracted from what God has for you cousin, he used to have this saying that hell is, is too hot. Heaven is too happy. And it's, it could be funny, humoristic, but at the end of the day, it's true. So if you want to experience that fullness of joy that Christ has to offer you, just raise your hand. your hand. I just want to pray with you. We got some small group leaders back there who would love to pray with you as well. Me, myself, I, or me, Wes, any of the small group leaders back there would love to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you right now. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time now that we have together. I want to thank you for those hands raised. And I just want to pray for their boldness, God. And I pray that you transform their lives since they've accepted you into their heart today. Lord, and I pray that if there's anyone else in the room, I pray that you give them the boldness to ask you for forgiveness and ask you into their life, Lord. Lord, thank you for all you've done. 
That's all she's going to do. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.